You're listening to the podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a church in Gloucester, England. Well, we come to Psalm 90. There are many ways to mark uh, the turning of the year. Some people like to set off fireworks. Some people like to take an icy dip, not something um, I recommend. Um, Some people like to write lots of New Year's resolutions, don't they? Perhaps that's something you've done. Well, the the family of um, the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, their practice, which is a tradition I do like, which was to, to read... Psalm 90. They would do that each year. It's a a psalm which helps us to meditate on the shortness of life, but also a psalm which helps us to uh, lift our hearts and pray to the eternal God. It directs us to pray. The psalm of Moses, the only psalm of Moses. Moses had, there are other songs of Moses in the Bible, like Exodus 15, the song of Moses after the deliverance of the Red Sea, or Deuteronomy 32, another song written by Moses. But this is the only psalm of Moses, which makes it the the most ancient of the psalms, and it has that feeling of antiquity um, about it. And so it's a a psalm which begins book four of the Psalter. Book three of the Psalter ends with a, a lament for what looked like the end of the Davidic kingdom, and it's the the beginning of the exile. So Psalm uh, 90 begins book four, and it takes us back to God as the eternal king. So hear these words as I read God's word to us. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight, but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night, You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. 
that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favour of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's quite a prayer, isn't it? Well, we're going to look at this psalm uh, under three headings this morning. We'll look this evening, uh, look at Moses' his great confession in verses one and two, and then his great, this great meditation, which takes up that central part of the psalm in three to 11. But then this great prayer, you'll have noticed that turning sort of point at verse 12 in the psalm, this prayer from 12 to 17. And so we consider his, his confession. He, Moses starts with his confession of faith in these first two verses. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In a world of decay and change and death, Moses confesses that the Lord is his dwelling place, he's a permanent is the dwelling place for his people. So in the wilderness, God's people moved from place to place to place, didn't have a permanent home, or think of God's people there in, in Egypt, it wasn't their homeland, or even before that, um, with Abraham and the patriarchs, um, the Canaanites were in the land, but and all that time, God had been their dwelling place. He was their dwelling place, or even further back from that, Think of sort of before the flood, go right back. There were these great cities of man towering up to, to the heaven. And yet um, the people of God, um, the, the, the godly land, called out to God. He was their dwelling place. So Moses looks back and confesses that God is the dwelling place of his people. And so how appropriate for this psalm set here in, in book four of the psalm, a time of exile and God's people again were exiled from their homeland to remember that they had a, a permanent home in God, a fixed uh, address. And so if you come to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a permanent home. You have a fixed address. You have a dwelling place uh, in and with the Lord your God. He is the God who is from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. So we don't know what the new year will bring, but we do know our God who is from everlasting to everlasting. I remember one time I was moving house, I think all, all my worldly goods were packed into my Nissan Micra and I was driving up the M1 and uh, was reflecting on this psalm that actually the Lord is, was my dwelling place. Um, and um, I don't know if you've, you've ever sort of you know, seen on TV these shows about you know, the, the perfect home and there's this phrase, people talk about their forever home, don't they? Absolutely absurd expression, isn't it? A forever home. Any home we move into in this earth, we are going to move out of. We might, we might move out of it feet first, but there's no such thing in this world as a forever home. It's all temporary, isn't it? It's all passing. It's going to pass. But we have in Christ, we have in our God, a forever home. We have a permanent home. And there was the hope of the people of God 
as they were exiled, as they were homeless, in all sorts of affliction and difficulty, they looked to God. That was Moses' his confession. Of course, that's a, a confession that many in, uh, many in modern Britain cannot make. We're, we're in many ways, as a culture, homeless in the universe. And we've got this great new telescope, haven't we, looking out into the stars and the space. But, but in a sense, we're, we're, as modern people, we're homeless in the universe, for we do not know our creator. We do not know God. But Moses did, and he starts with this great confession about God as this dwelling place. But then he moves on to, to this uh, meditation, this great meditation, verse 3 and onwards. It says, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. Literally, return, O sons of Adam. And his, his language, it just echoes Genesis 3, doesn't it? When, when Adam's disobeyed God and God says uh, that, that he will, that the ground is cursed and that Adam will return to the ground. For dust you are and to dust you will return. And that little verb, return, becomes important in the psalm as we kind of get to his prayer later on in verse 13 and his prayer of intercession that, that God would return. But here God is saying, you return man to the dust. Um, so it relates to, to Genesis and uh, Adam. And uh, you'll remember, you may remember that uh, Adam, his very name is related to, to the ground. The Hebrew word for the ground is the Adamar. So Adam is the, um, and the Adamar, it's as if sort of saying we are we are groundlings or earthlings. We are made of the dust, made of the dirt. We share, 50% of our DNA is shared with, uh, with the oak tree. We're made of the dirt. And we, we, we compost, don't we? We return to dust. And notice how personal this is. Moses is addressing God, the creator. You, you turn man back to dust. So the, the modern sort of atheistic view would say, well, we're simply biological machines, and at some point, for reasons we're not quite sure, we just break down all by ourselves. But Moses confesses that no, God exists. He is the creator. He says, you return man back to dust. It's part of his judicial sentence that lies against mankind. So the background there is just Genesis 3, the fact that death is the result of the fall, this sentence of death. And we have not only the sentence of death, Moses meditates on the shortness of life, on the shortness of life, for a thousand years, this great stretch of time. You think that's a long time, a thousand years in your sight, but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night, the, 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 the evening, the night was split up into four watches, a four-hour watch in the night. Quickly come to the end of it, and it's done. And a thousand years... Think of that stretch of human history, 1066 and all that. It's just gone, like the day, the, the day that's just gone by, like January the 1st, important enough of itself, but it's, it's now gone. That great stretch of human history, past, now gone. Verse 5, you sweep them away as with a flood. And this psalm, it's just filled with so many powerful images, isn't it? Here, a flood. We think of Noah's powerful flood sweeping all before it, but here, as if time itself is like a flood, and you sweep them away. God sweeps us away as with a flood. And Moses 
perhaps looking around a bit, that wilderness generation that because of their unbelief they wouldn't enter the land and they were swept away, as, as it were, with the flood. The, the, the desert was filled with graves. They're like a dream. And again, dreams, very interesting, aren't they, at the time? But then you wake up and they're done. They're finished. They're over. We are like fresh grass. And notice the change of voice here. He goes from they, they, and now he's including itself in there. We, it's first person plural. We are like fresh grass, which springs up fresh and green, but by evening is withered and parched. Think of Moses, young Moses, springing up there in Egypt. And here he is, an old man, withered and parched. We uh, blossom and flourish like leaves on a tree and wither and perish, but nothing but naught changeth thee. I think of uh, T.S. Eliot in, in The Wasteland, that famous line, he speaks of um, our, our shadow in the morning striding behind us and our shadow in the evening rising to meet us. And in verse 7, this uh, connection between our mortality and our sin and our iniquity comes really from the background into the foreground at this point. Verse 7, we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Our sin stands in broad daylight before God's face. We cannot hide it from him. We will not be able to hide it for, from him on the last day. Verse 9, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. Again, think of Genesis 3 and the curse. And they're soon gone and we fly away. Another image there of the shortness. Think of a bird in the garden. Oh, there it is. Oh, look, it's gone. And that is life. What is your life, it says in James 4? You are like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Like a bird that's in the garden and then gone. And aren't we? We're constantly surprised by the shortness of life. Uh, C.S. Lewis pointed out how, how weird it is and strange that we are constantly surprised by the, the shortness of life and the, and the passing of time, as if a fish would be constantly surprised that it's wet, swimming around going, oh, oh, it's wet, and oh, oh, look, it's wet. But we're constantly surprised, aren't we? I, I saw another Christmas card this year. It was at my Christmas card to my father, of someone I've not seen for uh, nearly 30 years, and he's now a grandfather, and he literally he was writing, where does the time go? Hasn't it moved quickly? He's now a grandfather and he's reflecting the grandchildren. Where does it all go? Hasn't it gone quickly? And you think, how are we surprised by this continually? That it's just going. And, and the reason is we're not made for this. We're not made for mortality. God has set eternity in our hearts. We're not made to, to live in that sense in a, in a dying, fallen world. It is incongruous that death should come and, and rob us of friends and family and loved ones. Um, and it's, it's surprising to us for God has set eternity in our hearts. At verse 11, Moses again, he meditates on, on God's anger and wrath in verse 11. He says, who knows the power of your anger and your wrath uh, according to the fear of you? And verse 11 is, is linked with verse 12, this, this, this prayer. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom um, will literally cause us to know. So who knows the power of your anger? 
cause us to know uh, the number of our days. It's a, it's, it, we do, what he's really getting at is that we, we do not, by nature, we, we suppress the truth of God the creator, we suppress the truth of his, his, his power and his glory, and, and we, we don't think about the shortness of our days, and we need to be taught it. We need to get this heart of wisdom. And so this moves on to this prayer, this prayer for wisdom. Verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. It's a prayer, really, for, for wisdom, given our mortality, given the shortness of our lives here on earth. A prayer that we might live wisely in, in fellowship with our Creator, with our God, in the short lives that we have here, remembering that very soon the grass will be growing over our own graves. And to live wisely now, as it says uh, in the, that great exhortation in the book of Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Um, and if you're, when you're young, you don't think you're going to get old. You think you've got an enormous stretch of time in front of you. I remember when I was um, 20, I was at a party amongst whom were lots of 20-year-olds, and there was someone at the party who was 26. And I remember thinking, how do you even get to be 26? How does that happen to someone? It just boggled my mind, because when you are young, you think, well, that, you know, um, we are never going to get that old. Um, but you're exhorted in the scriptures to remember your creator in the days of your youth. And what does that mean? Well, that means being thankful to him. I think for all of us, remembering our creator and numbering our days wisely means uh, just being thankful thankful for our daily bread, thankful for the many blessings we have been given, just thanking God, and really the, the sort of, think of just the Lord's Prayer, remembering to, to pray that forgive us our, our sins and to give thanks for our daily bread and to uh, just to rejoice before him day by day. Um, and so living wisely, this great prayer for wisdom, and it doesn't come naturally, we need to be taught wisdom, we need the Lord himself to teach us to number our days rightly. By nature, we're foolish and blind. We need the Lord to teach us wisdom. And then we come to verse 13, which I think is one of the most remarkable prayers in the whole of Scripture. Verse 13, Moses prays, it's this word again, Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. He's Standing up is asking the Lord to repent, to stop, to turn back. Remember verse 3, um, been, been, Moses has been saying, you turn man back to dust, saying return to dust, O sons of men. We've, we've heard this God sweeping uh, us away as with a flood, and this, this mighty flood bearing all the way before it. And here is Moses, the mighty intercessor, standing up before God and saying, stop, return, stop that, stop that. And there's, there's another prayer a bit like this, another prayer of Moses. Remember the incident of the, the golden calf where God's anger is going to burn because of their idolatry and wipe out the, the people. And Moses, he, he intercedes before the Lord and he prays this. He prays, Lord, turn from your burning anger relent from this disaster against your people. And then he says, remember your covenant, remember your promises. So he comes to, here is Moses, the mighty intercessor, 
praying that God would relent and return. And in that incident, um, in, in Exodus 32, read that the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. And so here in Psalm 90, Moses prays, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. He's praying for this just great reversal. He's really praying for an undoing of the curse of Genesis 3, really. Um, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And I love that verse, satisfy us in the morning. It's all, all up to now, it's been a part of, it's been, as it were, night. Things are coming to an end. Things are coming to a close. Everything's being done. But here, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. The morning speaks of a new beginning, a new dawn, a new day. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. He's praying for this great reversal that instead of days of affliction, there'd be days of gladness. In days, instead of days of sorrow and sighing, there'd be days of rejoicing and joy. He's praying for this undoing of the curse, an undoing of affliction, that sorrow and sighing would flee away and joy and happiness would come and settle upon us. And wonderfully, verse 16, let your work be shown to your servants, your glorious power to their children. He's praying for God's work of blessing and mercy to be known and to, the, to the rising generation. And that final prayer, verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Moses praying for the Lord's favor and blessing to rest upon his covenant people, praying for this restoration, that generation that was dying in the desert under the curse of death, praying for that restoration, for their work to be established. Um, and we see really, in part, that pray prayer of Moses for that generation was, was, was answered as the rising generation then did come and did see the mighty works of God. They did see the Lord part the Jordan River. They went in to the land. They saw God establish their works. They, they did those work, the, the, the tabernacle was brought in and they did see God at work in their midst and there was a future for the covenant people of God their children did see the power of God so we see this mighty intercession of Moses here but really this this great prayer of Moses it's only finally answered in and through the Lord Jesus Christ it's only answered really in the sending in the coming of Christ Jesus into the world as Christ Jesus comes into the world to save sinners. Christ, the greater Moses, came. Creation's Lord himself entered our world. He became a man, took on flesh, entered a world of sorrow and sighing and pain and grief. Um, he had a, a body which was capable of, of suffering like ours. He wept beside the grave of a friend. The Lord Jesus carried our sorrows and sufferings. He bore that crown of thorns. He bore the curse. He bore our sin and the punishment for sin in his own body. He suffered the curse of death for sin. He, on the cross, was, as it were, withered and dried up and parched. He said, I thirst. He was crushed for our iniquity. Jesus, God's servant, 
bore the wrath of God that we, his people, might escape, might experience the favour of God, the blessing of God. Um, and we think, so Christ, in his death, overcame death. In the, at the cross of Christ, we see, we see the death of death in the death of Jesus Christ. As Christ was crushed, God was crushing death and Satan's kingdom. And Christ Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So in the midst of a world of death and decay and sorrow and sighing, there is an empty tomb. And we have a risen saviour. The Lord Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and now he stands and intercedes for his people. So Moses' great intercession really is fulfilled and points forward to Christ's great intercession. He prayed blessing upon his people on the count of his own sin-bearing death. He prays for us, his servants. And so the first most obvious question really as we, as we close is, well, have you come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you united to Christ by faith? Well, if you are, then he died your death um, at the cross. That punishment is past and, and our death, as we, if we are in Christ, our death is, is just sleep. We fall asleep in Christ. And we're kept safe until that great day of resurrection. Um, so many, aren't they, are still living in the, in the fear of death at this time. We see so much gloom and so much despair. And so many live with the fear of death. But the church, we've been given this message of life that Christ is risen from the dead. It's a great message of hope. And so, um, as those who are in Christ, we live on the other side of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We look back, we remember the, the resurrection morning with great joy. We rejoice and are glad in hope. So although we groan uh, as part of this, this fallen creation in, in a world that is subject to decay and death, we live still in a world filled with graveyards, yet we rejoice in hope for that Christ has come and he is risen and he will come again. And because of that, we have this great hope and we can pray these prayers in Christ and we can pray that the Lord would establish the work of our hands. It's extraordinary, isn't it, that prayer that here we are, we're dying creatures um, like these wisps of fog here today, gone tomorrow. But our work and our lives have meaning and significance now in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can pray that the Lord would establish and bless the work of our hands. So we can pray that for ourselves, for our families, for those of you you're seeking to, to raise your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and you're not sure if you're doing it right. But you can pray that the Lord would establish the work of your hands. Or those seeking to work hard to, to pro provide for a family and getting up and going to work and coming back and getting up and going to work and that sort of cycle which goes around which can feel like slightly futile. But actually within that we can pray that actually the Lord will bring blessing. That the Lord will bring blessing on that. Or, or other tasks or works which seem those endless cycles of um, 
loading the dishwasher and unloading the dishwasher and loading the dishwasher and unloading the dishwasher again and again if you're lucky enough to have a, a dishwasher. Those cycles of those things which can seem futile, those sort of daily tasks and acts, are charged with meaning as we do them in fellowship with Christ, as we do them in fellowship with, with the Lord, that he can establish the work of our hands. And notice it's, it's also it's communal here, the establishing the work of our hands. So here we are, we're seeking to, to live under God's blessing and to see a church established in Gloucester for the praise of the name of the Lord. What we can pray is at the beginning of a new year, it's a wonderful prayer for us to pray, that the Lord would just establish the work of our hands, that he would bring blessing. And we know that if, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labour, labour in vain. So we look for the Lord to establish these things. So really, this gospel, it's, it's this wonderful answer um, as an answer to, to the, the sin and the judgment to come, but it's also an answer to futility. And so many live with that sense of futility and meaninglessness, but in Christ, uh, our lives are charged with meaning and hope, our ordinary lives done in faith. And so, as we close, let us come before our great God and Father and let us pray together. You've been listening to the Sermon Podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church. You can find us out online at gloucesterpres.co.uk. That's